Hey, keto freaks, this is Carl. Do you or someone you know have trouble focusing? You know what I'm talking about. You sit down to read something, try to figure out your monthly budget, write that novel you've been putting off, or maybe you just can't seem to do one task at a time. Well, you may not know this, but I'm a musician as well as a software developer. Programming is a job that requires focus, long periods of uninterrupted work. It's hard for them and for you. I've created Music to Code By. This is music, yes, but it's specifically and scientifically designed to promote focus. Studies show that when math students were exposed to Baroque music between 60 and 80 beats per minute, they did better with comprehension and testing. So I created more modern music that is neither boring nor distracting, but falls within that tempo range. It's just the right mix. I also made the pieces 25 minutes long. That correlates to research that shows we all get brain fatigue after 20 or so minutes of hard focus. The result is thousands of happy customers. Now, you don't have to be a programmer to reap the benefits of music to code by. It has been known to soothe restless pets, calm fussy babies, and even help autistic kids relax and fall asleep. Listen to some free samples at musictocodeby.net. Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And just a couple of months ago, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In that time, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes just with diet alone. Yeah, hi, I'm Richard Morris in Canberra, Australia, and I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014, so that's two years. Uh, and when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. And within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. And we're going to share the progress of my journey through ketosis and Richard's experience thriving for years in ketosis. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. So we're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail. Nah. <laughs> We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research, and where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite the research supporting any claims that we make. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. We love to cook and we love to eat. We're also going to share some of the great food that we can eat on this diet. Every episode, both of us share a recipe for an essential keto meal that we eat regularly. So, Richard, let's start podcast number 11, The Newbie Show. Well, Richard, do we have any corrections or apologies from last week? Yeah, I kind of lost count of how many drinks I drank. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So I, I mentioned I'd had three bottles of Moe before the show, but that's a bit ambitious. No, I'd really only had three glasses of the stuff. Oh, well. Also, I said I didn't know of any research substantiating alcohol-inhibiting gluconeogenesis, and then five minutes after we finished recording, I found one from Hans Krebs, and I've got that linked to the show notes. So just to recap, what is a ketogenic diet? It's essentially a low-carb diet, but it's also higher fat than most low-carb diets. That's we do right. restrict carbs to less than 20 grams a day or just incidental carbs from uh, things like green leafy vegetables or sure. a few nuts every once in a while. Yeah. And just enough protein to maintain our muscles, and everything else is fat. So everything else is dietary fat or the fat that's from that Krispy Kreme we ate last year. Yes, or a decade ago. A yes. decade ago. Yes, I haven't eaten a Krispy Kreme for about a decade, so yeah. I'm still feasting on that one. So that's why we're not hungry, is because after you train your body to relearn how to burn fat, it says, well, I get plenty of fat right here around the midsection. I'll just use some of that. And yeah. uh, that's remarkably why we don't get hungry. So how did you do last week, Richard? 
I've had a good week. Yeah, I uh, I got a new doctor this week. And uh, normally when I have a new doctor, I have to explain what I'm doing and then explain why I'm doing it and then give them the research and, and basically go through the steps of training them what I'm doing. Uh, but this time I met up with my doctor and I started she started out by saying are you diabetic and I said well I'm not sure but let's let me explain my history and within about five minutes she goes yep I know exactly what you're doing I approve of everything you're doing and uh, you can choose whether you're diabetic or not <laughs> so uh, so uh, as, as far as she was concerned for the purposes of uh, of getting uh, cheap access to diabetic uh, supplies I can be diabetic and uh, but as far as she's concerned my my uh, HbA1c my measure of uh, long-term glucose control uh, indicates I'm no longer diabetic that's so awesome I love it when the doctor gets it I know, and she does intermittent fasting herself, and she does the five-two diet, five-two fasting. Oh, so yeah. she she eats uh, five hundred kilocalories a day for two days of the week. So yeah, she's right behind it. So that's awesome. I, and one other thing, I went to a hungi today, which is a uh, Polynesian feast where they where you you dig a hole in your backyard and you bury you bury basically put a fire in it and you put hot rocks in there and you. Uh, light the fire and you let that go for about an hour and then when the coals die down you uh you put meat in and then you cover it with uh dirt and uh you leave it lie under the ground for about four hours to cook and so they basically put a half a pig in there and so <laughs> are you hungry no i just ate a half a pig pretty much so i did actually i, I did try some uh high carbohydrate food just a small amount because i've always been keen to learn what taro tastes like when prepared uh, traditionally, so you mean poi, the the uh, Hawaiian poi from taro root. It's served like a like a potato, like a roast potato. Oh, okay. Um, and it's but it, but it is a ta- it is from the taro root. It's not a drink. It's a it's a like a vegetable. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had like a teaspoon of that just to taste. It was just like flowery. It really wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't enjoyable. So yeah. No. Um, uh, but uh, the interesting thing, I took my blood. Uh, glucose when I got home and my blood glucose was was like 4.4 and it's normally 5.2 so um, it's again the same thing that happened last week as soon as I have something with a little bit of glucose uh, I seem to overproduce insulin and drive my blood glucose down so it's an interesting reaction well, it means that your uh, pancreas works again. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. It's, 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 it's working very well. So how was your week, Carl? Well, it was interesting. I went to Orlando, Florida, home of Disney World, for a conference. And mm. so, as you might know from my bio, Richard and I are both software developers. I went to a conference that I've been involved with for a long, long time. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I speak at this conference and uh, I do the closing session where we tell jokes and give away prizes. And uh, it was a fun time. But, you know, conferences, when you go away, and especially to the happiest place on earth, yeah. they tend to want to force feed you a lot of carbs. Sure they do. Yeah. So I did uh, intermittent fasting. I fasted every day. I only ate dinner. And uh, they were ketogenic. They were quite ketogenic. In other words, you know, Texas de Brazil, Brazilian steakhouse, Fogo de Chao, Argentinian steakhouse, uh, you know, other basically going to a really nice restaurant every night and having meat and fat. Oh, nice. But the thing is, when I got home, I noticed that I had neither lost weight nor gained weight. Interesting. And I thought I was going to lose. But I looked back at it. And you remember on the alcohol show, we talked about how alcohol pauses ketosis? Yeah. Yeah, I was paused pretty much the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Now, I didn't drink until dinner time, but I had several glasses of wine and back at the bar and then had some bourbon. And, you know, I never really gave my body a chance to completely... Uh, metabolize all the fat that I had eaten, probably. And and then you got paused off your face, basically. Well, actually, <laughs> this is interesting. Uh, no, I didn't. I don't seem to have the sensitivity to alcohol that a lot of other ketoers have. Okay. But I, I kind of chalked that up to my size. I'm still pretty big. You know, I'm 321 pounds. Mm-hmm. So... But 45 pounds down, still going. It's all good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we have a special guest today, and before I introduce her, however, it's time for mail. We're justified and we don't need no Mail. 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 
And uh, Karen Mangiacotti, our good friend, likes that we stole the format of girl from Mondays, which is something... Well, I'm just going to throw in one female. Female. <laughs> female. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a comment that we got via Facebook from Bobby. And Bobby says, I'm trying to get started on a ketogenic lifestyle, and I think I'm getting my foods all messed up because I don't ever lose a pound. Right. I already avoid most carbs, grains, and sugars, so I think I'm doing this all wrong. Do you know the website or book that will get me started? I read The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, which in our world is a Bible, right? Pretty much, yeah. I think I need something that will guide me daily. I don't typically eat until 11, and I'm usually done eating by 7. I try to follow IF also. Yeah, it's, that's interesting. It, my suggestion really to, to Bobby was uh, that uh, it, it, they could try the Real Meal Revolution, which is a program that uh, Professor Tim Noakes um, came up with in South Africa. Professor Tim Noakes is a famous sports uh, medicine doctor. Yep. And uh, he he and uh, John O'Proudfoot, a, a famous chef in, in South Africa and a nutritionist, got together and they built this uh, program called the, the Real Meal Revolution. We'll, we'll, we'll add a link to, uh, to their site. Okay. Basically what they do is they have three lists of food, a green list, a yellow list, and a red list. And you can eat... Uh, liberally from the green list, oh. be careful from the yellow list and avoid foods from the red list. And it makes it a lot easier than, than counting grams of this and grams of that and killer calories. And cool. That. And it's also got, they've got a community of, uh, of obviously 200,000 people. There's a large community of people that you can, you can network with. And, and, and so I, I would, I would recommend joining a program like that. Um, but it, it could be that, that, you know, that maybe Bobby just doesn't have a lot of weight to, to lose. And so, um, maybe, you need to get the your insulin really low, and so maybe uh, longer fasts might be uh, uh, down the road a, a method for for pushing through that barrier. Because I think that's what happened with you, wasn't it, Carl? I mean, yeah, you, fasting really um, uh, started everything going for you. Yeah, and you know, I had hit a plateau before then, and I had lost like you know 10, 15 pounds. Yeah. But uh, another thing is, Bobby says, "quote I already avoid most carbs, right, grains, and sugars." So just by avoiding grains and sugars doesn't mean that you're in ketosis. No. You really need to avoid all carbs. And, uh, you know, except for green leafy vegetables, a couple of macadamia nuts here and there, an occasional berry. Yeah, on this podcast, we call those the incidental carbs. But, you know, if you if you eat some macadamia nuts, you're going to have a very small amount of uh, carbohydrates come with that. Eat some cheese, you're going to have a small amount of carbohydrates. You eat an egg, and egg is, is very good for you, but, you know, there's a, a gram of carb per egg almost. So, right. um, you know, it, it, the, these things add up. So you, you, you certainly will get some carbs in your diet, but as much, the minimum that you can uh, is the best for getting into ketosis. Right. So we really need to know more, Bobby. Uh, if you know, you spell out what you eat and maybe we can find something that's, again, as Richard says, on the bad list. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, uh, we do need to announce our Two Keto Dudes podcast Facebook page. Yeah. Which is a closed group, but you can just ask for access. Sure. And, you know, say something like heard about you on the show, blah, blah, blah. You can get in. Uh, they're, they're really, it's not an elite group. No. We just don't. We just want to avoid uh, trolls. Yeah, and we want to make sure that we don't have uh, random spammers um, uh, ruining everybody's day. So um, yeah. that's the point of keeping it as a closed group. All right. I think it's time to introduce our guest, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Now, our guest is none other than my daughter, Emmeline. Wow. And that is her name. We call her Emmy. She's 20 years old. She's in college and uh, has been a dancer all her life, in quite literally all her life. Since the age of two, her mother and I yeah. sent her to ballet, and she did that all the way up until when she went to college, and then, and then, well, she'll tell you. Hi, Emmy. Hi. G'day. <laughs> Hello. So this is the Newbie Show, and we thought we would revisit the getting started topic with somebody who is just recently getting started. So, 21 days, Emmy? Yep, 21 days. It's been three weeks today. So, what was the hardest part of this? And you did it right. You you had our guidance from day one. But yep, absolutely. What did you do and what was hard? Um, Giving away all my carbs. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically the first... Yeah, that's first, the hard bit. Yeah. Uh, 
But physically, giving my friends all of my carbohydrates, I basically cleaned out my cupboards and my fridge. Did you cry a little tear? No. <laughs> it was it was a little bit difficult, but also like super empowering mm. to be like, yeah, I'm not eating these Oreos anymore. You can have them. I'm done with Oreos. Right. You know, um, and that was difficult so at you think, first. You think people are afraid to to give up carbs like they try to imagine themselves not eating carbs and say oh I can never do that yeah um, I've talked to a couple different people about uh, what I'm doing with the ketogenic diet and a lot of my friends are like oh yeah that sounds awesome but I I can't give up Kit Kats you know Kit Kats make me happy I'm like well you know after a couple weeks Kit Kats won't make you happy anymore, and you can find other things to make you happy, like butter and bacon. Yeah, <laughs> butter know? and bacon. Yeah. yeah I do. <laughs> I tell people, and this is this seems to be like the thing that makes them go, huh, is that, listen, you have poison ivy, mm-hmm. all right? And you can't imagine what it would be like to not be able to scratch your itch. But what if we could just take away your poison ivy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'd never be able to give up bread because I have an itch and the bread scratches it and, and it makes me itch more and I like to scratch yeah. it again. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 at one point, Bob Atkins, uh, uh, Dr. Robert Ak- Atkins, who came up with the Atkins diet, he used to do a radio show and he had people call in and they'd say, oh, I can't give up my bread. And he, he was really cruel. He'd just say, put it on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give up bread. But it almost seems like you have to take a leap of faith, and it's a leap of faith in your own body, which your experience of your own metabolism has been, I crave carbs. And you have yeah. to take that leap that you will no longer crave them. Don't you think, Em? Yeah, I think I think knowing that if I just gave up carbs and got through the first few days that I wouldn't no longer crave carbs. That was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, if right. I can just, you know. And how long did that take? For me, um, I don't know. It, it took the the physical cravings. Um, it only took them a couple of days to go away. But I think mentally, um, I'm still kind of working through that. Right. I've had a couple dreams where I like cheat on keto, <laughs> which is oh, so, yes. yeah, it's so funny because I wake up feeling really guilty. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I had bread oh. in my dream last night. <laughs> I had a bagel. <laughs> yeah. And every now and then I'm, I, I was sitting at uh, my school cafe the other day and they were making toast for people. Oh, toast smells so oh, yeah. good, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and I know that's one of your weaknesses. It's one of mine as well. Yep. <laughs> Smell toast. For me, it's the butter. Yeah. It's the yeah. butter on the toast. You know, it's not, it's oh, actually, yeah. if I just have a little bit of butter, I'm actually, oh, yeah, that hits the, the, the toast itch. Mm. Yeah. I think I need to find an, another vessel for my butter to get to me because <laughs> toast was, toast was the vessel. Um, yeah. yeah, but no longer. I've not had any toast in three weeks. Yeah, one of the things when you first start this is you, you have to be a little bit orthorexic, where you a little bit OCD about what you eat. And, and uh, excuse me, a little CDO because it has to be in alphabetical order. <laughs> Correct. Uh, you have to be a little CDO <laughs> about uh, about what you eat uh, because you're uh, you're trying to change your you're tra- trying to change your behaviour, trying to change your habits, mm. but. On the, in the long term, that's not a healthy way to be, obviously. Yeah. So ultimately, you want to get to, we want to get to a point where we instinctively are happy with what's good food, what's bad food, and right. we just eat naturally what 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 we know of as good food. Um, so that's um, I I had similar dreams. Uh, I, I had carb dreams. A lot of people do. And it's similar to when I gave up smoking. Mm. And you have to go through this to get to the other side before your brain accepts that that uh, that this is this is just how you are. But I used to have dreams where I'm a heavy sleeper and I would wake myself up with shock mm. because I noticed in the dream I was smoking a cigarette and it was, oh, my God, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And, I, and, and the shock would actually wake me out of out of a deep sleep. So, wow. Yeah, wow. It's, it, it's, fairly, uh, it's fairly difficult breaking an addiction, but I think that's what it is with uh, carbohydrates. Absolutely. It is an addiction. And, and, of course, you know, the poison ivy metaphor is pretty appropriate because you are inflamed when you're yeah. carb cravings. You know, your yeah. body, you have a lot of inflammation and uh, it, just by eating sugar, your, your, uh, everything is more inflamed. 
Absolutely. And that goes away. So, so I think if I had to give advice now to the old me, <laughs> it would be don't count calories. Don't count. I mean, macros are good, right? Yeah. But just eat. When you're hungry, eat. Don't try. Don't focus on losing weight for the first week or so. Just focus on eating more fat and eating the right amount of protein and completely avoiding carbs. And, Emmy, you went through the whole keto flu thing? Yep, I did. And when was that? When did that start? That started um, just a couple days after I started. At first, I wasn't really feeling any symptoms. And Mm -hmm. then I noticed that I was uh, eating. I had a meeting with my friends for a club that I started at school. Mm -hmm. And I just... I, if it was like I was drunk or something, I just would start a sentence and then totally space out. People would be like, yeah. wow. I had the same problem. Yeah. Um, I was having a hard time focusing on what I was thinking about. Um, I had like a little bout of nausea, but not for very long. And diarrhea too? Um, Not so much at first. I think that was in reaction to some xylitol that I had. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, But for the most part, it was... The mental fogginess was a huge part of it. And I was trying to be proactive and drink a lot of water with salt in it. Um, And And I think that definitely helped. And napping too? Yes. Yeah. I love naps. So it's kind of (laughs) neat. The first week, so, and again, if I had to go back and give advice to my former self, I would say just focus on eating fat and, you know, a lot more fat than you're used to. Get through the fog, nap a lot. Don't you know, don't try to do a lot of, for God's sakes, don't exercise because that will, yeah, that'll screw you oh, up. Oh, yeah. Ex- um, that's where I really noticed the problem because I was going to the gym four days a week and I was cycling to get there and, and I would notice sort of like 10, 15 minutes into a session, uh, I'd feel like somebody pulled my, my cord out of the wall, out of the socket. Yeah. You know, I was just literally had to sit down for just maybe 30 seconds just to recover and then I was fine to go for another five minutes and then I'd sit down again. And, and it, I noticed once I'd keto adapted when that had stopped and for me that took about four to Five weeks before really that stopped. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. You want to get to that point of keto adaptation and then just life gets so much easier. And for me, I think yeah. I think it was week four or five. I started a fast. I did a 60-hour fast and uh, that fundamentally changed me. I, my hunger just went way down. I stopped, I stopped making cheese crisps and I stopped making all the snacky things and, and I just started... Uh, eating one meal a day, if that, and just eating a whole lot less. So, Emmy, you fasted after two weeks, just dinner to dinner, right? Yeah, I did a little uh, dinner to dinner fast. I figured even if I wasn't fully adapted, it was a manageable amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a little bit hard at first. Um, I was a little bit hungry. And then slowly just got easier and easier and Mm. even though I was looking forward to dinner of course and I got Mm -hmm. myself a little uh strip steak fried it up in butter I was really looking forward Mm, to that yeah um but it definitely you know I went to the mall and passed the Cinnabon stand and I was like no but I got myself a black iced coffee at Starbucks yeah and not a bagel right (laughs) and uh yeah I did it and you really didn't feel like you were missing anything, right? No. And then I, f- I thought that when I broke the fast with my dinner that I would be like ravenous yeah. and, you know, tear into it. But it was, just, you know, it was just like a normal dinner. And I I actually I had some, um, I have no idea how to say this word, shirataki. Is that how you say yeah, it? That's that's right. it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, shirataki. I had some shirataki noodles and Alfredo. Yeah. And mm. I wasn't a fan of the texture. Yeah. But... I, I wasn't that hungry, so I just stopped. I yeah. was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. that's fine. I'm good. Yeah. Shir- shirataki aren't a great replacement for pasta because they don't have that, like that, yeah. I guess, uh, the texture, but they're a good replacement for Asian noodles. So. Yeah, like udon. I was thinking about making some lo mein with the shirataki noodles. Yeah. yeah that a little stir fry. <laughs> One of my recipes was a uh, keto version of pad thai. With shirataki noodles. Yeah, I tried that. It was great. Yeah, that works out really, really well. Awesome, yeah. So after two weeks, you did a fast, and and 
you think that you would not have been able to do that like after three days or so, right? No, definitely yeah. not. Three days into keto, I was starting to get some keto flu symptoms. Mm-hmm. I was feeling kind of lethargic. Um, and I had been warned. So I was yep. like, okay, like this sucks, but it's completely normal. You knew um, it was coming. Yeah. So that was, it was nice to know kind of upfront that I was going to be feeling like crap. So I kind of work through it. So tell us your results. Tell us where you, if you don't mind divulging your weight, oh, yeah. where you were and where you are. All right. So, um, you know, as my dad said, um, before college, I was dancing pretty, um, vigorously. I was going, every day. Yeah. Every day I was going to ballet class and rehearsals, um, like 16 hours a week. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I was not the thinnest girl in my class by any means, but I was... You weren't f- overweight. No, I was fairly fit um, growing up and and not eating well, just exercising a lot. So I had this mentality that I could eat anything and I would just stay pretty fit. Yeah. Then I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, by the yeah. way, in, in school. And everybody warned me about the freshman 15. Uh-huh. But um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Providence, Rhode Island, but I my school is on a hill and not not like a little lump in the ground. It's a it's a pretty steep hill. It's the Bunker Hill of Providence, yeah. right? <laughs> they, I mean, they call the area College Hill. It's, yeah. It's pretty hilly. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I have to, I lived at the top of the hill and I was like, okay, well, I walk up the hill every day. And when I got to the top of the hill, I'd be like, that was hard. I should get a cookie. <laughs> like, yeah. I got to reward myself. This is a rough yeah. hill. I love it. <laughs> so I would stop in and, and freshmen at uh, my school, Rhode Island School of Design, we have an unlimited meal plan because... Everybody gets really stressed out, mm. and a lot of people forget to eat. So they're like, we won't have any of that. We're going to make sure that everybody has plenty of food to eat. Whenever. Yeah. Right. Pretty much from 8 a.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah. On school nights. Um, and then until 9 on weekends. Mm. And part of that meal plan is that they have pizza yeah. every day. Wow. Wow. And yeah. That'll do it. And then, yeah. and, then <laughs> and they have chicken fingers and french fries uh, all day every day just yeah. sitting there. And also my school does this cool thing where they make these like weird fusion dishes hmm. and uh, or they would like make food that was spicy and I'm not a picky eater per se, but I'm not that adventurous in my eating. Yeah, you never were a spice fiend. Yeah. So whenever there was dinner, lobster is more like her. Oh, yeah. She discovered lobster. She was five years old. She's like, oh, I lobster, dad. Yeah. Everywhere we went. Lobster, yeah. lobster. Lobster and yeah. steak, with, just with like a little bit of butter or yeah. a lot of butter. Yeah, a lot you of know. butter. Um, so I'm a fairly plain eater. So whenever you do realize that's diet food, though, don't oh, you? Oh yeah, no. Yeah. Steak having, and butter. That's a diet food. <laughs> I'm having no problem eating now on keto. I'm having a no. great time. Um, oh, but so whenever there was food I didn't like at my school's cafeteria, I'd get a slice of pizza. I'd sure. get some French fries. So needless to say, you put on some weight. Yes. But it, you're not. You're not obese. No. Okay. So I'm about. I gained about. 25 to 30 pounds over um, the three years that I've been at school. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's bad normal. Yeah. I think so. So, yeah, I was not overweight by any means, but, you know, not feeling good. And I figured I was tired all the time and taking naps every day, yeah. which I at first I just figured was, oh, you know, college is hard work. And I, and I do work very hard at school and often have late nights. Mm-hmm. But... Since I've been on keto, I've been napping a lot less. Yeah. I've been having an easier time getting out of bed, and I'm realizing that I was just poisoning myself pretty much the whole time. So this is an, it brings up an interesting point, Richard, too, um, that at, when I first started this and, you know, people would look at me with horror, you know, with the m- yeah. amount of fat that I ate, I, I thought to myself, well, I don't want to recommend this for everyone because not everyone has a deranged metabolism. Right. And so I used to say things like, you should check with your doctor before starting a ketogenic diet. And then I thought, 
dude, you should check with your doctor before eating a Twinkie. You know, <laughs> yeah, I really. Think, I think uh, you know some meat with butter on it is like natural compared to the stuff that we've created in this industrialized food society. I think that's the poison. That's the mm-hmm. real problem. Yeah, the problem is that doctors really don't have an opinion on nutrition. They they understand the biomarkers that they're looking for. They want your LDL down. They want your weight down because those cause other flow on effects. But they've they really didn't have a they didn't have a grounding in nutrition because uh, I I saw an interesting um, uh, video from Gary Taubes discussing the difference between somebody who's trained in the hard sciences like physics or math or something like that and somebody who's trained in medicine which is if you if you study physics you go for three or four years whatever do a bachelor of science study physics you learn the history at the same time as you learn the facts right so you learn that you learn that newton discovered his laws of motion and here's how he discovered it you know the apple falling you know he, he noticed that observed that and came up with this this idea and here's how it was tested and right. and what have you and then einstein came along and perfected that and proved that newton wasn't quite accurate in large gravity fields and what have you. And so you learn all the history of everything as you go along. Medicine, you there is so much information that you have to pile into somebody's head in the six years that they're there to study medicine that there's no time to discuss all of the whys of, of how everything works. You just say, bring their LDL down. This is the range the LDL's got to be in. This is the range that the weight's going to be in. Right. If their weight's out, out of that range, here's the flow-on effects and here's the drugs you've got to prescribe and... And it, there's not enough time to 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 give uh, doctors a a a way of rash of reasoning their way to towards the conclusions. You, you're lucky if uh, uh, I was lucky this week. I found a doctor who who had on her own time researched this for her own metabolism, and then was able to integrate that into her practice. So, so I also want to point out that. Uh, there's an article I will link to on the show on the page to ketodudes.com that was from April 25th. Sweden becomes the first Western nation to reject low-fat diet dogma in favor of low-carb, high-fat nutrition. Now, what year was that? This is this year. This is just this from... Year, so that's today. Well, this article is from this year, from April, but it says, the switch in dietary advice followed the publication of a two-year study by the Independent Swedish Council on Health Technology Assessment. The committee reviewed 16,000 studies published through May 31st, 2013. Swedish doctor Andreas Enfield, who runs the most popular health blog in Scandinavia, dietdoctor.com, published some of the highlights of this study in English. Health markers will improve on a low-carbohydrate diet, and I quote, A greater increase in HDL cholesterol without having any adverse effects on LDL cholesterol. This applies to both the moderate low-carb intake of less than 40% of total energy intake as well as to the stricter low-carbohydrate diet where carbohydrate intake is less than 20% of the total energy intake. In addition, the stricter low-carb diet will lead to improved glucose levels for individuals with obesity and diabetes and to marginally decreased levels of triglycerides. So this is all good. So Sweden actually has seen the light, and they're recommending this as the diet for their citizens. Wow, that's outstanding. And not just for people who need, quote, unquote, extreme diets. Yeah, people who are obese. So they're they're, uh, identifying that this is an appropriate diet to get people's biomarkers into line, even if they're not obese, even if they're not trying to diet to lose weight. So that's, that's outstanding. Right. But if you think about it, it's like they've inverted the food pyramid. It's pretty much what it is. I, I was watching a South Park episode the other day and Cartman in the, had this dream idea of uh, turning the food pyramid upside down and uh, I'm watching this and Cartman's gone keto. <laughs> I mean, it was done for comedy, but seriously. Yeah. The source of all truth, South Park. Yeah. <laughs> Satire, the source it's, of all truth. It's funny. So, Emmy, what advice would you give people who are curious about, you know, keto and they want to try it. And, uh, you know, you've obviously gotten through 21 days. And how many pounds have you lost, by the way? Um, last time I weighed myself, I was seven pounds down. Um, I haven't wow. weighed myself in a few wow. days. Well done. Yeah, yeah that's great. You. And 
Are you noticing a lot of size changes as well? Because that's the other thing is sometimes your weight doesn't change, but um, your you size changes. Absolutely. Um, I went, I noticed I didn't have any shorts in my size and I haven't really been comfortable wearing shorts ah. um, since gaining so much weight. And so about a week ago, I went to a thrift store because I'm thinking like, Hopefully, I'm only going to be this size for a while. Sure, yeah. And uh, I tried on a couple pairs of shorts in a size down, and they fit. And then um, hmm. yesterday was the first time that I looked in the mirror and visibly noticed a change. I noticed it. I got a couple compliments from friends um, and took I took a picture and compared it side by side to my, like, I took a before picture. Yeah. Um, and you no, look like you've lost more than seven pounds. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, it could be inflammation too. Like my face um, is less puffy and right. my stomach is a little bit flatter. Um, yeah. So I, and, and I've noticed, you know, I got a new belt. I had to get a new belt. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, always a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a non-scale victory yeah. there. And I, I learned that belts are no longer made for women to hold up pants. They're now an accessory, and none of them really? function. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was really hard to find a functioning belt for women sure. to hold up pants. Wow. Um, yeah. So what advice would you give somebody who hasn't started keto yet but is wondering, A, is it safe, and B, you know, how do I do it, and how can I give up carbs and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, what I would tell them is... Um, self-control is really easy when you stop craving carbs. So, you know, I always thought that, you know, I was eating a lot of crap, a lot of like late night Oreos or pizza or crepes or, um, you know, lots of junk. And I thought that I just had a self-control issue and that thin people just had more self-control than I did. Um, but after, you know, after the first couple of days when I stopped craving carbs, I realized it wasn't that I just had no self-control because clearly I did if I was restricting carbs and that I didn't feel like I was, um, you know, depriving myself of something anymore. Mm. And I think that was the difference is that even if, you know, back when I was eating a lot of carbs, even if I said no to Oreos. Yeah. I would just like be sitting there thinking about eating those Oreos. And the rest of the day you think about Oreos. Yeah. What's weird is that it's almost like a compulsion. Like you don't really understand what you're doing, but you just know that you need Oreos, right? Yeah. And I knew that it was like I could sit there and be like, Oreos are horrible for me. I don't care. That's what I need. It's like something inside of you. Like maybe all your gut microbes are sort of forming this demon inside of you and saying, I need you know burger yeah. king or whatever <laughs> yeah i can't ex- i can't explain it either but i just you know that just goes away yeah so i think that for a lot of my friends who have talked to you who said you know oh you know i would do that but you know i can't give up kit kats or i can't right. give up bread it's like i didn't think that i could either you know i'm I probably eat a lot worse than you do right now <laughs> um or i did eat a lot worse than you do right now and and if i can do it you know, like you totally can do it. And, right. um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the hurdle that right. it's, it's a leap of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think what happens is when you become fat adapted, you're able to, to get energy from fat very efficiently. Mm. Your body's quite happy to get it from your body fat as it is to get it off the plate. And so you're no longer getting messages saying we need energy because right. your body's got energy. And so now it's just a matter of we want to taste something. And that's – I get a lot of my remnant cravings. I've been doing this for two years. Mm. I really don't remember a lot of – that's why it's interesting for me to hear what you guys are saying because you, you guys are more recently at this. But mm. um, I, I a lot of my remnant cravings are not so much I need an Oreo – but rather, I'd like to try the taste of an Oreo again. See what that's mm. like, and that's yeah. kind of the that's all that's left of my cravings. But yeah, yeah, it's it's remarkable. Once you become fat adapted, your your options open up really well. Absolutely. Yeah, and you control the beast, like Emmy said. You 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 find yourself yeah. you find yourself in such self control that it's almost scary. That it's almost like wow, now I now I can purely make decisions based on what I think is good for me. And I don't have to argue with my stomach that wants ice cream or whatever. Absolutely. I think, you know, even though weight loss is a motivator for me, Mm. um, 
I think what's really keeping me going is that just that feeling of self-control and and just like empowerment to choose what I want to eat and when I want to eat it. Right. That I don't think I've had before. Better Um, than any drug you've ever seen. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) I think I told you this story the other day. I ordered chicken wings. Oh, yeah. This is great. Because <laughs> what could go wrong? Oh my yeah, yeah. We're thinking, chicken wings are awesome. Fried chicken, right? Right. Yeah. So I order chicken wings, not even thinking that flour is a thing, and mm. uh, they come to me and they're clearly breaded. So I sold mm. them to some kid who's like, yeah. "Oh, you got wings? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Five here. bucks, go yeah. away. Take this away. <laughs> Take it away from me." And I'm just sitting there staring at these wings, like, "What do I do?" And and you know, my friend was like, "Just eat them. Like, it's not gonna kill." you and I, and and I realized that it wasn't fear of putting on weight it was fear of craving carbs again right yeah so the rest of the story is then after that I ordered some unbreaded wings from the same website and uh, they came to my door and they looked like they were breaded and I called the company I'm like what did, did you mess yeah. up my order? They're like, no, they're unbreaded, but uh, we coat them in cornstarch. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I was like, are, are you, you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's not unbreaded. That's just a different form of breading. I know. It's dumb. <laughs> like, you could go ahead and advertise them as gluten-free, whatever, but right. I was like, are you serious? So this is, you know, my typical experience in a restaurant is I will get a steak and I will say, no, no carbs, no starch, no nothing, because I can't eat carbs. Yeah. And I get a salad on the side, you know, blue cheese dressing, whatever. And the salad comes with croutons on it, you know, and I, I, oh, it's just yeah. like you want yeah. people to be able to make two, put two and two together and say, oh, our salad has croutons. Would you like them without? You know, of course you. Yep. Yeah, because I just told you I can't <laughs> eat starch and bread. <laughs> yeah. Last night I, I went to a fondue restaurant and it actually went pretty smoothly. There was no uh, flour thickener in the cheese, which I was really. Oh, and you asked them. Um, no, well, I saw the ingredients. They they kind of make it in front of you. And oh, wow. someone on the uh, Facebook group had said that, uh, you know, they don't use thickeners. So I was, I was feeling confident in that. Yeah. And so I got a Caesar salad, no croutons. Yeah. And it came and it had these, like, they said Parmesan crusted pine nuts. So huh. I figured I would, like, let okay. it on the salad and see what happens. And then I looked at them and they went, I was like, this nah. stuff. So I picked them off and... Uh, my sister tried one, and she's like, "These are like coated in sugar." I was like, "Oh, really? Like, why would you?" First of all, wh- who thought that would be a good idea on right, a Caesar yeah. salad? Like, carb or no carb? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of frustrating. It's like it pops up in everything. Sure does. That crispiness. Yeah. That crispiness you need starches for, and people just you know you dredge dredge meat in in cornstarch before throwing it in the deep fryer to get that extra level of crispiness in the skin. It's a shame, really, isn't it? But it turns out you can just cook wings well, you know. Yes, yeah. that's true. At a, at the right temperature, and it's nice and crispy. Yep. Nice and crispy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I think it's time for recipes. Could you save your due for a little? Recipes. 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 Oh, I love this. Yeah, it's great. You guys are cute. So I'm going to do I'm going to do a recipe uh, I've been meaning to do for a while. The first couple of shows we did, uh, Carl did recipes for bread substitutes because he was craving bread and he wanted to make sure that he, he wouldn't miss it. So he did pizzas and uh, oopsie bread and uh, uh, a couple of others uh, different yeah. breading recipes. Yep. Uh, so I'm I'm going to do a recipe for crackers. Now now Ooh. there are lots of nice low carb dips, uh, but most crackers are just obviously crispy and, and made with starch and what have you. Yep. So um, I, I've got a recipe on my blog, uh, which I'll link on the show notes, um, and it's flaxseed crackers that you can make in the microwave. Flaxseed is wonderful because, well, I don't know if it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. For me, it tastes a little fishy because it has a, like the omega-3 oils in it. Yeah. But um, no carbs, pretty much. 
No, that's right, and it's it's uh, it's as you say, it's omega three oils. So th- there is some uh, controversy that you know the omega threes from fish are better than omega threes from plants. But mm. flaxseed, also known as linseed, is uh, one of the highest uh, sources of uh, yeah. of flax. And uh, the way the recipe works is you start off with uh, two tablespoons of ground flaxseed, and the golden flaxseed is the best. And you really need when you buy this, you need to keep it in the fridge. Uh, yep. one once you open it. And you, so you start off with uh, two tablespoons of ground flaxseed, linseed meal, and uh, 30 mils of water and a teaspoon of mixed herbs. And you can use any kind of herbs. I, I kind of like uh, lemon thyme for, for, oh, nice. uh, for making it. So, yeah. So so you mix these up in a, in, a, uh, in a bowl, mix everything together, and you let it rest for two to three minutes. And that lets the the uh, the meal the the flaxseed meal absorb the uh, the water and then you basically put it on between two sheets of baking paper and you roll it out flat with a rolling pin uh, you basically want to get it about two millimeters thick and that, yeah. that's perfect and then you you slice it up into uh, into cracker sizes and then you microwave it for about two and a half minutes or until until it goes hard and then you can also do it in the oven you can also do it in the oven that's right uh, but you you basically want it on a fairly hot oven and you it, you, you don't need to, it to be in there very long just keep checking it just to make sure that it's not burning right and once it's cooked it'll still be a little bit flexible so you let it stand for a couple of minutes on a, on a cool surface and I let it stand on a, on a marble countertop and uh, it crisps up nicely it does sometimes have a slight fishy fishy taste so that's the point of adding herbs into it right but you know there are so many wonderful low carb dips oh yeah high oil uh, dips that um, that you can make with nuts and with cheeses and and what have you so um, uh, we do one with kimchi which we uh, uh, we make a kimchi queso uh, which is made from melted cheese and kimchi all, all whizzed up in a bullet whizzed and up that whiz, whizzed up <laughs> well that's an Australian term it's probably it's a no, different yeah, term yeah, yeah. It's in a blender yeah, yeah. You said a bullet, but a blender. Mix up in a blender, yeah, in a in a magic bullet or a blender, and uh, we whisk whisk that up in a in a in a blender, and that um, uh, that kimchi flavor, it's like that kimchi hot uh, flavor of the cheese, and a bit of sour cream is just spectacular. I make pimento cheese, which is basically cream cheese and uh, pimentos, and maybe some olives. You know, it's like an olive spread. Oh yeah, nice. And you, you know, some black pepper. Yeah, and so so there you go. Perfectly good flaxseed cracker. Um, uh, most of your flavour is obviously going to come from the uh, come from the dip that you use, and the flaxseed is really a utensil for getting dip into your mouth. And I really appreciate that because when I was getting started, crackers were such a big part of my life. Cheese and crackers. And oh, yeah. Emmy's nodding here <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, you come over to my house for dinner, Emmy. The yeah. first thing we had was cheese and crackers, right? I've been missing yeah. crackers, yeah. and like you were saying, just kind of as a vehicle for stuff into my mouth. Right. So, so what what have you got for us, Carl? Okay. Well, we've talked about sous vide. Mm-hmm. We've talked about crock pot. Mm-hmm. Now we have another way to create delicious meats, and that is with a pressure cooker. Mm, nice. Yeah. I'm going to link to the pressure cooker that I have, the actual brand, because I love it. It's easy. What a pressure cooker does is it creates a seal inside and increases the pressure and the temperature. And under pressure, you're basically lowering the boiling point of water. Boyle's law, I think it's called. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yes. And so the effect is that you can do what slow cooking does, but in a faster time. So you wouldn't necessarily pressure cook things that don't take a lot of time to break down, like hamburger, for example. (laughs) Although I do remember somebody telling me that when he was growing up, his mother pressure cooked hamburgers. And I was like, oh, no. Terrible. (laughs) But you want to take any meat that you would normally cook low and slow, like uh, beef ribs Mm -hmm. or um, pork butt or, you know, something like a brisket, you know, something that where the collagen has to break down and you normally would cook it low and slow. So my favorite thing to do lately is beef short ribs. And I went to my butcher and I said, I would like four beef short ribs, but make them fatty. Like, don't worry about, you know, getting lean ones. Just give me some good fatty ones. I want meat, obviously, but I'm not afraid yeah. of the fat. You don't scare me. 
So now you want to cover these with broth, and I, Richard and I both make bone broth. We put them in the freezer as in ice cube trays. So in my freezer, I had broth that I had made from both chicken bones and pork bones, and I had some beef broth left over from the last time that I made beef ribs. So those were all ice cubes. I melted them in the pot on the stove, and I put that in to cover them. I also put a whole wad of herbs, and we're talking thyme, parsley, and rosemary. Oh, yeah. They go well with beef, yeah. I also took a whole bulb of garlic, cut it in half, stuffed that in there, um, and make sure it was salty enough. I put a whole stick of butter in there. Because why not? <laughs> why not? It's just butter. It's butter. Yeah. yeah. If you don't remember, the last uh, one of the last shows, I talked about um, carnitas, which is pork, but cooked in lard. Yeah. There's no problem. Just do it. So I threw all that in there, maybe a little wine, a little red wine, some salt and pepper. And you got to understand, like, you really can't, if you're just dealing with savory ingredients, you really can't screw up. You know? You really can't. No, you, just make, you just make something interesting. Yeah, you throw in stuff with flavors that you like. Yeah. You like a little dry mustard for a little piquancy. Mm-hmm. Throw that in there. You know, you want some onion flavor, some onion powder. Shrooms. Sh- oh, shrooms. Oh, shrooms, yeah. <laughs> I forgot all about <laughs> mushrooms. I actually did. In this one, I put in a whole thing of mushrooms. And I pressure cooked it for uh, an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I pressure cooked it for another 15, 20 minutes after that. Nice. So- so that's going to be like pre- like slow cooking something for like three to four hours, right? Absolutely. And when you open that thing up and you do, it doesn't let you open it until the pressure has been released. So you turn the little knob, the thing goes, Psh! all the pressure comes out and uh, you open it up and those things are falling right off the bone. Now, I, I actually have one of these pressure cookers, but I bought a cheapie and uh, it I think it cost me like 49 bucks. So there's mm-hmm. not a lot of money. And it was made in China, and the the manual was so impossible to decipher. Oh, yeah. It's a common problem. It's got all these strange buttons on the front, like congee and other things. I have no idea how it works. Me, with my pressure cooker, all I do is I set it to manual and just say, cook for an hour, and then I'll work out how things go from there. Yeah, mine has... Uh, they don't obviously trust you with temperatures because they have, like, pictures of food and, you know, yeah. different different kinds of food. But yeah. uh, I found on mine, the the chicken slash meat setting is what I wanted. And so uh, that I did for an hour and another 20 minutes. And so here's what I did after. I took out the broth and strained it, put it in a pan, added some uh, heavy cream, and cooked it down and down and down and down until it thickened up. Mm. And that is essentially your gravy. And you just pour that over top. Nice. Not that you need any gravy because it's sort of cooked in gravy, right? But if you just want a little extra hit of salt and flavor, pour that on top. Man, that was dinner last night. That's outstanding. That sounds really good. That's a show. Emmeline, thank you. Thank you, Em. Thank you for having me. And congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, you've done really well. Thank you. For three weeks, that's outstanding. Yeah. You guys are very helpful and supportive. Of course, if you have anything that you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, uh, some more research that you've found to either support or refute what we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or just leave a comment on the website at twoketodudes.com. We'll see you next time, dear listener, on Two Keto Dudes. <laughs>